Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. Good to be here again to share in God's Word. We have been going through series with Joseph. You know, if you ever have time, read about the story of Joseph from Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50, you will find an incredible, fascinating, and amazing story of a young man and also how God works. Today, we come to part two of last week's sermon, Together as One. Last week, we looked at renewal, and today, we're looking at relocation, Joseph and his family on the move, and reunion, Joseph and Jacob meet at last. From Genesis 46, verses 8 through 27. I'm not going to read the whole passage. We will look at them by section. But we're going to talk about those two aspects of this family, of Joseph and how God's people left Canaan and came to Egypt. Let us pray. Father, we are here as your people, believing that you are here meeting with us, trusting in your power, guided by your Holy Spirit. May you use this moment to teach us and help us to understand. We pray your grace and blessing on those who will listen on the internet. And we pray for those of our members who are not here this morning, but are sick or have other schedules. May you walk with them today. Thank you for the blessings that we get when we hear your word and obey your word. And to you be the honor and glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Joseph's family on the move, relocation. You know, just as Abraham had left Or and journeyed to Canaan in chapter 12, verses 4 to 5, so now Jacob is leaving Canaan and journeying to Egypt. Both men were making these journeys in obedience to the will of God, their father. And that obedience of both plays a pivotal role in God's election of the seed of Abraham. Now, Egypt becomes a womb for the nation of Israel. This is where Israel grew from a tiny little speck of 70 people to a full-size 
where it says in Exodus 7, I mean Exodus 1, verses 6 to 7, they become so plentiful <laughs> that the land could not hold them. Obedience to God's will. Now, I'm not going to bother you with the names, but we're going to take some time to look at some specific lessons which will be helpful to us in how we deal with our own families. So let's dive in. Exodus 46. First, as they make this move, we want to look at the nature of the people making the move. You know, in chapter 46, verse 10, in chapter 46, verse 20, we're given the names of the Israelites, but one specific verse, verse 10, says, the wife of Simeon was a Canaanite. And then in verse 20, the wife of Joseph was an Egyptian girl whose father was a priest of the Egyptian religion. So why would God put those two specific verses there? All the other people, their wives were named, but it was not because they were Canaanites or Egyptian. Well, I want to suggest we're given these specific two verses because these people who were moving from Canaan to Egypt, who were in God's plan, were not perfect. They were not perfect. They were far from being perfect. If you know the story, the boys have done something horrible to their brother Joseph. But God was still leading them. God was still bringing them and making them into something. The Canaanites were cursed people by God. And marriage to them was forbidden by God. The Egyptians were people who worshipped many gods. They were gods for everything in their land. The God of fly, God of cow, God of sheep, God of this. But here they were. God was still working in their lives according to his plan. They were not perfect. And do you sometimes wonder that God can use you? God can use me? We look at our own lives. We are far from perfect. But because of his plan, he uses you, he uses me in ways that we sometimes wonder and say, wow, that's the God we serve. He does not wait for you, for me to be perfect. We will never be here on this part of eternity. We will never be. But if he wants to accomplish something through me, through you, and I am available, he says, let's go. And he will use us. Second thing we notice about the nature of these people, they were shepherds. 
chapter 46, verse 32. Joseph told his dad, when he go to present you to Pharaoh, tell him that you are shepherds. Now that is a very strategic statement. They were shepherds. The Egyptians were farmers, agriculturists. They grew crops. And now, here are people coming who are shepherds, and they despise them because their cattle will go around rampaging their farms. They despise them. You know, in northern Nigeria, if you listen to the news, there's tension every week or month between the cattle herders and the farmers. People get killed because the cattle will run rampage on the farms and destroy their crops. And the farmers will come out in the villages at night and kill. Yes, just listen to BBC. You will hear those incidents. So here we have these people, shepherds, coming to a land that is full of people who were farmers, and boy, they were not going to like them. Well, that's God. So they were not perfect. They were shepherds, but they were also independent people. Take your Bibles and read chapter 46, verse 6. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. They were independent. They were not coming to Egypt as beggars. They were going to show that they can feed themselves. That's the nature of the people God called out of Canaan to come to Egypt. They were not perfect. They were shepherds, but they were independent. You know, the apostle Paul says to the people of Corinth, when I came to you to serve, I did not just fool around. I walked with my bare hands in addition to preaching. God's people on the move. We looked at their nature, and I look at their names. Chapter 46, verse 26. And all those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his sons, wives, number 66 persons, with the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family, which went to Egypt, were 70 in all. God was at work in, in this people. The plan for the redemption of man, and these were not just random names. From verse 7 upwards, this was a selective plan by God 
You know, the story of the people of Israel, beginning from Leviticus, when they established the priesthood, the people who were to become priests were always to come from the line of Aaron. And so every time Israel had trouble and they were naming the descendants, nobody will make mistake. They will put that in there. When they went to exile and came out, they made sure the Levitical priesthood descendants were all in line. So God makes that selection. So the names listed here were not just random names. They were selective plan. But he has also a symbolic arrangement in the names. We have to know that God, when he plans to do his work, is not doing it haphazardly. But he's got not just a selection, but a symbol of those names. As we look at these names, let us be assured that God knows each of our names. And just as he worked in Jacob's family, he can work in your family too, in my family too. Hallelujah. He knows our families. He knows the weak links in our families. But if he wants to use our family and we're willing to come along, we move on. Because God is the power behind it. Now we look at the reunion. Jacob and Joseph meet at last. Verses 28 through 34. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get direction to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They tend livestock, and they have brought among their flocks herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Reunion, Jacob and Joseph meet at last. You know, in these final verses, we focus on Joseph's relationship with his father, Jacob. 
the way he treated his father reveals a lot about his character. The verses also have something to tell us the way we treat older folks around us. The first thing we notice, verse 28 to 30, is that Joseph paid attention to Jacob. When Joseph was growing up as a boy, he was the apple of Jacob's eye. If you read the story well, Joseph was given a special coat, the coat of many colors. That coat symbolizes the role Joseph was going to play in the household. It was a prophetic, prophetic gesture and gift. Joseph enjoyed special privilege because of that coat. As he was growing up, Jacob was the provider. But now, Joseph, as the governor in Egypt, returns the favor and provides for his father and the entire clan. Joseph paid attention to Jacob. He went to his father, he says. And next we notice, he poured affection on Jacob. Verse 29 and 30 tells us, he embraced him. He embraced him and he wept. So there are two things we see there. It was very emotional and it was endearing. You see, in the story of Joseph from 37 to now, this is the sixth time Joseph has wept. If you count all six, all those weepings were not times when he was in trouble. There were times that it was just tears of joy. How remarkable. You know, if you take the story of Jesus... There's only one time he wept in the Bible. You think he would be on the cross? No. It's at a time when he was performing one of the greatest miracles at the grave of Lazarus. So this is one area, again, Joseph and Jesus are types. Joseph poured attention on Jacob. It was an emotional attention. It was an endearing attention. Friends, this is the way we should all be around those we love. We should not be ashamed to display our emotions and our love to our family members. Listen. With all the uncertainties going on in our world, it is always imperative that we show our affection to our loved ones. Hugs, kisses, tears sometimes. Because you never know 
One hog may be the last time you hog them. You know, I think of America. You go to the shopping center to shop. And all of a sudden, you're in a body bag somewhere because some crazy, stupid person comes with their gun and shoots randomly. We don't have that here, but it could happen. It could happen. You're riding your car to the next town. You left your family, and you're going. All of a sudden, accident, and you're no longer there. So the time that you have, the time that I have, to be with family, hug them, show them emotions, and affection. You never know. You never know. Joseph teaches us something here. He's not seen his dad for 20 plus years. And here this old man comes. Thinking his son has been dead, rotten. But here he is governor and that embrace that hug those tears meant a lot he paid attention to Jacob he poured affection on Jacob but he provided acceptance for Jacob in verse 36 34 to 30, he said, You should answer your servants have traded livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Seeing Joseph brought fulfillment to Jacob's life. He says that in 31, Now I can die. I've seen you alive. But Joseph also, as he prepared to present his father to Pharaoh, he knew how the Egyptians despised shepherds. But he was not ashamed to present them as shepherds. He was not ashamed. Oh, how should we learn that? Some people... The higher they get, the easier they forget their families. You come to the office and they go say, your uncle is here. They go, go tell them I'm busy. Not Joseph. His people were shepherds. Despised people. But he insisted, when Pharaoh asked, what is your job, tell him you are shepherds. He was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. It doesn't matter what our relatives or family's status is. We should show them acceptance and go out of our way to make them feel welcomed. Always. And Joseph has a lesson to teach us. Joseph has a lesson to teach us. Family is family. We cannot all be at the same level in our families. But we all share one thing in common, one blood. 
and blood. Let us learn to accept. Let us learn to recognize those members of our families. And of course, when they came to Egypt, they sent them to Goshen, a land that was fertile, but the Egyptians said, let's put them far away so they are not able to mingle with us. And had they put them there, but God was working in it all. God was working in it all. My friends, it's been a long journey for the children of Israel from Canaan to Egypt. God was in it. God was in it. It came out of a tragedy, out of a terrible act by the brothers, but it was all God walking. All God walking. And we can learn these lessons. Five of them. Five lessons. God's plan may be slow, but it will always come to pass. Always. There may be times when you think, is this really God that said this should happen? But if he says it, it's going to happen. No matter how long it took. Number two, God will use anyone who makes themselves available to him. Anyone, you, me, that drunkard down the street that we drive by and see, God can use them. You know, when I was in Bible college, first time I went to Bible college, we had a saying, God uses people who are fat, not their size, but it was faithful, available, and teachable. We had that. You know, it was a joke among us as students. But it's true. God uses people who are faithful, available, and teachable. So that's the second lesson we learned. Number three lesson, obedience to God yields blessings and fulfillment. It doesn't matter if you are doing the will of God and you get killed, God still fulfills something in it. You say, oh, well, just look at Jesus. He came on earth by obeying his father's will. He got killed. The people who did it said, let's do it and let's see what is going to come out of it. And after three days, he was no more in the grave. So obedience to God yields blessings and fulfillment. Number four, never neglect or despise family. Never. Joseph embraced his family 
even when they turned against him. He accepted them and provided for them. And number five, God's plan for your life and for my life is not devoid of challenges. How crazy and how ignorant you hear people preach and say, as long as you are with Jesus, everything is going to be fine. It has not been with me. It was not with Jesus. I'm sure with many of us in this room. But because God calls you, because God is saying go, it doesn't mean there's not going to be trouble on the way. But you know what? Even when there is trouble, you can hear his small still voice saying like he said to Joseph, Jacob, I am with you. I am going to go with you. And man, when God is in my boat, I don't care what wind blows. I will just rock left and right as the wind takes me because I know there's going to be the end. Hallelujah. May God bless us. May God help us. Whatever challenge you and I are facing, whether in the family, whether at work, if God has called you to be his daughter and his son, you'll be sure he's going to walk through with you to the very end. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord. We acknowledge your power and your love in our lives. We go forth this week not knowing the challenges that are lie behind, before us, but we are sure that you are with us and you will walk with us. May you help us never to give up and never to lose up. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.